this really has less to do about the money management and more to do with how we think about our money in terms of how it serves us over timelines over our lifetime. What is financial sobriety? Well, first, I'm Jim Gebhardt. Oh, I'm Matthew Grishman. That's good. We should introduce ourselves. And this podcast is all going to be about three relationships that really, when you stop and you think about them, you don't think they go together. But it's your relationship you have with money. It's relationship you have with people who mean the most to you. And ultimately, the relationship you have with yourself. So I might imagine that those three relationships are somewhat wrapped together. That when one gets a little out of whack, perhaps it has an effect on the others. Stick around and you'll find out. All right, here we are for part two of our lecture series on uh, <laughs> change in the 21st century. And how we embrace change. Oh, and boy. how we embrace it, how we shave ounces, and... How we challenge how we, conventional how we... thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let's go. Part two. You have to be prepared for a bear market. Yeah. They're going to happen. They're going to happen when you don't expect them to happen. We use a methodology in terms of how we cook our food... And the other, the other part to this I want to talk about. As well as how about, we manage money. Not just how we cook our food, but also how we manage money for true. people. True. I'm being right? ha-ha funny. I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> is a concept called addition by subtraction. We've talked about it here before. Sure. And addition by subtraction is, in our case, we don't own all parts of the market at all times. Right. Kind of the opposite of Markowitz's theories, where you're supposed to own everything all the time. If you were to look inside of one, our, of one of our client portfolios right now, you would not see international, you would not see small cap, you would not see mid cap, you'd not see emerging markets. And you wouldn't have seen them for quite some time now. The reason that's significant is those are parts of the portfolio relative to the, the, the indexes I was just referencing that have been some of the hardest hit. And not just in this period, but going back, you know, as you look back at this, they would be anchors, right? They would be a rock on a rope pulling us down in terms of the overall performance and health of the portfolio. Well, think of, think about your own personal health, right? How much of the fact that you've lost 30 pounds, and forget about the 30 pounds for a minute, the fact that you just feel better, the fact that you have more mobility, the fact that you have more energy. I mean, come on. You were just talking about a client you had at 7 p.m. last night. I'm sitting in my chair like, who the hell am I talking to? What do you mean you had a client in the office at 7 o'clock and you were ready to go for an 8.30 p.m. meeting? All of that energy has come from this concept of some addition by subtraction, where there are certain things in your life that you've eliminated. Again, we don't live in a vacuum, so you've had to replace those things. But in effect, you said no and eliminated certain things from your diet, which has given you the ability to say yes and add other much more nutrient-rich, energy-producing, tasty stuff to replace that. Maybe I, mean, I should have used modern portfolio theory to lose... Well, I use modern. Change my health. I was going to say, I was about 180 pounds when I first came into the business at 22 years old and subscribed to modern portfolio theory. And by the time I was 45 years old, I had used modern portfolio theory all the way up to the ripe old weight of 249 pounds. So where you are today was my top. And uh, thank God I've divorced myself from having a little bit of everything because uh, like you, we've both been on an incredible health journey and half the men we used to be. To that point... What I have learned in my journey on that very subject is that a nutritional guideline, whether it be from the 50s or the 2000s, 
is precisely that is a guideline. It doesn't apply oh, rules. It doesn't apply specifically to me. It's not customized, right? I've gone to the extent as I've talked with you before on going through food sensitivity studies. And I don't even know how it's like a six-page document that looks at I don't know, 200 foods, 300 foods and specifically what my body reacts to positively and negatively. Guess what? I've eliminated those things. Oh, you mean so you don't follow the FDA guidelines of what's an appropriate amount of all of these things for you as a human being who's just like every other human being on the planet? And if this were a a visual show and it was a recording, I would drop the mic (laughs) because that is exactly (laughs) the point. We live in a day and age where you can get customized solutions. You can get customized solutions to what works for you, Matthew Grishman, in terms of your physiology and what works for me. And- We've gone through this exercise with Beth and two of our daughters. Do we have more than two daughters? I don't think so. Okay, so that would be our daughters. Yeah. It is fascinating how each of us are different. Hmm. Now, does that complicate things in the kitchen in terms of what we're cooking and who's eating what and when and all that? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And does it cost money? Absolutely. But going back to our general theme of intentionality— if I'm not wasting money over here, it's giving me money to go pay for a food sensitivity panel. It's going to help me pay for the additional costs of supplements that based on blood work that I've had done, or I'm deficient here and I'm deficient there, and after 52 years of, of, of living, okay, we got to boost these up. It's not just a blanketed modern portfolio theory multi-purpose vitamin. Yeah, you you've said no to nutritional modern portfolio theory as a family and you've kind of customized each one of your individual approaches to that nutritional health and we're seeing extraordinary success. Holy cow, what a concept. So basically, you've made changes and changes are starting to happen in your life. But if Nothing changes, then nothing changes. That's pretty profound. Is Glenn on the show today? <laughs> we still need to get that. Oh young yeah, man hey, well, he's, yeah, he's he'll appreciate that comment most certainly because nothing's going to. You change. opened the show with change and being grateful for change. That's because that's the name of the game. Nothing changes if nothing changes, and but that's comforting if nothing changes. Of course it is. However. Each person, being the individual that they are, you and I are great examples of this. We had to each reach our own point of desperation, which creates a point of willingness. And when you have that gift of desperation, where, as you've said it, that you know that Popeye moment, I would say it, I forget, I can't stands, you, you do it better than I do. Yeah, I've had all I can stands, I can stands no more. Right, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. When we reach that point, As miserable as that feels, when I look back in hindsight at progress at that point in my life, I can now look at it as a gift. I had that moment of desperation. You had that moment of desperation standing in your doctor's office. You had that moment where it's like, damn it, change starts now. Something has to happen. Something has to happen, and it will only happen if I make those changes happen. Thank God for that time in 2008 when you were sitting there alone in your office— your business was on a 45-degree angle. I'm getting very emotional. Yeah. just And, and you weren't even there. I wasn't even there, <laughs> but I I breathed in your gas so much that yes. I've, I was there with you yes. when it happened. And the world was collapsing around you, yes. and you just said, 
I can't do this anymore. I can't sit here on my watch ever again mm-hmm. and watch all of these people see their entire life's work go 45 degrees into the ground without a better solution than this buy, hold, and hope that has been outdated probably for a couple of decades now. And thank God you had that moment and that gift of desperation. I'm sorry for the pain that you had to go through to get it. It worked out okay. But damn it, it's worked out great. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you bringing it up, I'm having all kinds of flashbacks on on what that was like. I just, I met with a new client on Monday afternoon who he started going into his 08 story. Oh, and Oof. he's he's 50 years old. He lost his job. He went through his savings. He lost his house. And he's rebuilt beautifully. And did it happen overnight? No. Did it happen for for me overnight? Did it happen for anyone overnight? Not really. It was a long, slow, incremental process. Mm-hmm. And when when you hit that moment of desperation, most people, I think, hit that point. I know I did. And there's a, there's a bit of a panic that happens. But if you can look a little past that, mm-hmm. just accept it. Mm-hmm. There's actually going to be some beauty that comes from that. It's just not going to be not going to be right away. Not going to be right away. Because if I look at where my health was then, if I look at where I was financially back then in 2008, and I fast forward these 14 years later, never in my wildest dreams would I have envisioned where I am today, personally, professionally, financially, you know, in terms of health relationship, relationship with self. I mean, but those all hit a pretty hard (laughs) rock bottom Mm -hmm. in 08. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of beauty that can come from it at the, in the, in the moment of the storm. That's, that's why you need people around you like you and me and friends and, you know, neighbors who. How about Julia, who was sitting here in the seat recently talking about the it's in life. When the it's in life happen. Don't have an expectation that there's going to be much you can do when you're in the eye of the hurricane, right? Until you come popping out the other side of the hurricane, now there's something you can do about it. Right. Well, do we let those it's take us out, or do we let them make us stronger? Do we become more more able to persevere? Do we get that persistence muscle, right? You and I have talked about persistence beats resistance. So, yeah, those those moments of desperation were incredible gifts because they create a willingness— to do something that's not natural, that's not comfortable. That's where you talk about how it gets a little harder before it gets better. Now, thankfully, in our world, guess what we do for a living? We're in the wealth management business. So searching for another way to do it, other than what Mr. Markowitz, God rest his soul, had been suggesting for the last 70 years, there had to be another way to do it. Fortunately for you, you weren't a teacher by day, or a doctor by day, or a janitor by day, or a garbage truck driver by day, where you had to go out on your own time at night to search for that other way. So fortunately for our friends in the Financial Sobriety Tribe here, we've done a lot of that heavy lifting already in that research as to what are some different ways to think about it. And all I'm going to suggest to anybody who's here with us for the conversation today is there are 423,000 people across the country today that are willing to help. I got to believe that there's more than just you and me who subscribe to a different way to do it. In fact, I know a bunch of those who subscribe to a different way to do it. But in reality, what I think has helped us, and, and this is where I think we can really help our tribe who's listening in today, is that this really has less to do about the money management 
and more to do with how we think about our money in terms of how it serves us over timelines over our lifetime. Because I guess what I'm saying is, is that if you don't have the benefit of a Jim Gebhardt CFP as your financial advisor or Matthew Grishman as your financial advisor, how can I live in this world that is throwing this 70-year-old outdated technology at me as a way for managing my money? Well, if there's one thing we've learned since 2008, what we've learned with the whole COVID experience, is that we do have a new mechanism to heal the ache a little bit, at least temporarily. Right. It appears that our, our federal government has a printing press in the basement now. They do. Where every Several. every time something bad happens, they can bail us out by printing a whole bunch of money and sending people a bunch of checks. So we've definitely had some different behavior through what we call executive action, where a president now seems to be able to spend lots of money to heal the pain that comes from bear markets and negative you know, the downside of an economic cycle. So that we don't hurt as much, you know. We oh muffin, we don't hurt as much. So let's 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 bail everybody out. Let's write some checks. But still, there's some sting. But the fact is, for most people, the only access to investing is this modern portfolio theory that exists out there today. And you know what? That's okay for money that we don't need for a really really long time. Amen. Right? We've talked about money barrels and how you know go back and listen to some of the early episodes when when we've talked about that. And I'm sure we'll talk about it some more in upcoming episodes. But if I've got a million bucks saved for my retirement, the reality is I don't need all million of those dollars today. Correct. I don't need all million of those dollars soon. I don't need all million of those dollars later. I need some now. I need some soon. I need some later. And you know what? There might be some I never really need. And where, although you and I have absolutely come up with a better way to, quote unquote, cook the food and manage the money, for those in our tribe who don't have access to that, it's okay as long as we're looking at that portion of our money in that later barrel where we have time to recover yes. from the damaging effects of buy, hold, and hope. Yes. You have to have time. You have to have, you the, have, the, to have at the least remedy. 10 years to, to when you need that money. So even for Bob and Martha, who are facing retirement— Right, retirement's not just some singular period in life no, where everything's the same. It's not a finish line. Right, it's it's just a transition of we've gone from have to to want to, and in that period of want to in life, we're going to have our go go years, we're going to have our slow go years, and we're going to have our no go years. And those three phases in retirement for Bob and Martha are going to cost us different kinds of money. Right, beginning might be a little expensive, slow go years might be a little less expensive, but then as you are very well aware. Through your own personal experience with mom and dad, the no-go years are probably the most expensive years of our life. So if Bob and Martha walking into retirement have a portion of their money for those no-go years in a buy, hold, and hope strategy, they'll probably be okay. Because there's enough time. Right. Because there's enough time. There's enough time to heal the wound from that. It's the now money, the soon money that can be impacted from this kind of a correction because markets will heal themselves. Markets will recover. Economies recover. People recover. It's part of the cycle. It's part of the cycle that we've talked about. It's just how long does that take? And because you don't get to repeat your 60s or your 50s, you got to prepare for it. So I'm curious. I mean, while we're here and while we're talking about it, what is going on in the world? You and I have had plenty of experience. Fourth quarter of 2018 was a great example where no news Nothing's going on. The economy's going along just great. And all of a sudden, 20-plus percent. Yeah, we trip over a mouse turd, and the market's down 20% and a quarter, and and there's nothing really going on. 
What's going on today? Is there a reason for all of this well, lovely volatility? Much, much like the parent when the child is out very late at night, worry can sneak into the conversation. When there's uncertainty. When there's uncertainty. Ah, so you're saying we got a little uncertainty we have un- in the world. We have a variety of uh, uncertainties. Some of them are garden variety. So our kids uh, are out there and we don't know when they're going to be home. So the threat of rising interest rates. Ooh. For clients that are listening, I'm a broken record on this subject that interest rates have needed to begin to rise. Uh, we have inflation, right? The actual monster or the dragon that we're trying to slay at the end of the day for Bob and Martha and anybody that's retiring is when inflation flares up, that really changes your purchasing power, Mm. right? Social Security Administration announced a 5.9% increase to recipients of Social Security for 2022. Make the math easy. Call it a 6% bump on your Social Security. That's a little more than I've heard in the past. Because inflation is up, cost of living is up. God, I love your big, beautiful CFP brain. Right? So we have rising interest rates. We have a worry over inflation. We have other geopolitical things going on with, you know, country A threatening to invade country B. Not trying to diminish any of these things. They're all the same. Rinse, repeat. They pop up at different times. They enter into the consciousness, the, the vernacular of the, of the financial media. So we've had inflation before. We've had inflation. We've had rising interest rates before. We sure have. We've had country A invading country B before. Many times. We've had our kids running around out there with the unknowns of when they're going to come home at night. Yes. And all of those cause worry to the stock market because of its uncertainty of what might happen. I think I did raise three children, now that I'm thinking about it. There you go. I always, I always thought I just had two teenage boys, but I think I've got a third teenage child. And it's called the U.S. stock market. Because, man, does it behave like a teenage child. I remember my youngest. He was probably 14, 15 years old. And I will never forget, we were doing a pickup in the house. And I asked him to pick some shoes up that were down by the front steps. And, oh, my, his reaction to that simple request nuclear, uh, was like I had asked him to amputate his left leg. Yeah. And I feel like the stock market reacts exactly like a teenager sometimes. I mean, th- there was just no rationality to that reaction from young Lucas when I made that request. Yeah. And that's what I feel often our stock market does with any kind of uncertainty about the future, be it right. things we've experienced before. It's like there's a, a disconnect between the expectation of what's real and this worry of what could possibly happen in the future. Oh, my. And that creates opportunity, that irrational, you know, those irrational moments definitely create opportunity if you have time. If you don't have time with that money, like one of the questions we get a lot is, hey, Jim, I've got $42,000 saved that is in my savings account. Where should I invest that? (laughs) We get that question all the time. I'm only laughing because of how often we get that question. And... I will always ask kind of a standard reply to that is, well, what's the purpose of that money? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to buy a house in another year, year and a half. And I just want to do something with it. But it's sitting there and it's bothering me because I get .000001 from the bank. And you and I have a very standard answer to that, which is, no, that's the job of that money is a rainy day fund, is your down payment on a house in a year or two. Do you want to speculate on something aggressive because you want a quick fix and you want to make a, you know, make a, a quick buck or two? That's the mindset. Yeah, go to Vegas if you're going to do that. Seriously, because at least when you lose the money, 
uh, 42 grand will probably comp you a room and a few meals, maybe even the airplane ticket. Whereas you throw that in, I don't know, Tesla stock or something crazy like that. that a cryptocurrency a cri- even? Right, a cryptocurrency that could lose in any given day. Yeah. So that No that, freebies. That's where you have to have time. Right. Now, if that was money that you didn't need for 10 years... Different story. Different story. Well, let's go back to Bob and Martha. Think about how much more peace of mind Bob and Martha would feel with this volatility, seeing their later money down 15 to 20 percent, if they had the next two to three years, which would be the first two to three years of their retirement, comfortably tucked away in cash. Mm. How would they feel about that? Can you say that last part again? That sounds really delicious. How would Bob and Martha feel about their money that's down? If the first two years of retirement, the they already had tucked away in cash in terms of their living cash. expenses? Like we, everything we're planning to do the first two years of retirement, we're going to oh. be able to pay all our bills, take that incredible vacation, celebrate our 50th anniversary with our kids on the beach in Oregon the way we want to. That sounds so and good. And we can let this crazy-ass stock market figure it out over the next two years because we're okay. That's a good idea. We should, you know what, we should implement that. That's money barrels, baby. Oh, yeah. Because that money has a job. Right, and it's not to grow. It is not to grow. It is the sleep insurance. It yes. is the, it's the permission to sleep beautifully at night knowing that if the world goes to hell in a handbasket for a while, we're okay. It's the insurance that I have that gives me the breathing room to let the stock market do what it does, and I'm going to be okay. Isn't that what all the uncertainty, all the fear that comes from uncertainty really boils down to? Right? When we, yeah, is I'm when, not going to be okay. Right. When we can't see through the opaqueness that's in front of us, the fear ultimately boils down to something's going to happen to me. I mean, Have you ever driven in extraordinarily tough fog? Uh, once or twice up and down I-5. Or a, or a blizzard or a whiteout? Well, I've lived in upstate New York, so I've got the blizzard. Check that box. Uh, I've been through a hurricane. Amy and I got to drive through the remnants of, well, maybe not quite a hurricane, but a tropical storm in northern New Jersey once years ago. And of course, if you live here in Northern California, you know exactly what I'm saying when I say these next two words, Thule fog. There is lots of uncertainty when you can't see more than five feet out the windshield. That is a very uncomfortable feeling. Yes. When you're in a moving automobile, generally at a, you know, a decent speed, you're not going 12 miles an hour. You might have to. Right. So what do we but, do when but we you can't, can't see? see? Right. What do we do when we can't see and we're driving at a high speed in an automobile? We slow down. Yes. And that's what we're really trying to do today is with all the noise, with all the uncertainty around all of these things that seem to repeat itself over and over and over again. Granted, it's been a while, but what we're facing is not new. It's just being recycled. What we're trying to do is just slow everything down a little bit clear away the noise, shut the cable TV news off, and let's just talk about what's really going on in the world today. And, and, what, you can, and what you can control. And what we can control about it, right? which is do where, we blindly just you... follow 70-year-old technology when it comes to how we eat and how we invest? Where can you shave ounces? Where can you avoid dropping nickels? And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. 
Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.